We'll be reading from Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 1. Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 1. Hope everyone's staying on track uh, with your program to read the Bible through uh, in a year. Now, if, if you fall behind for a few days, don't, don't give up. You, you can catch up, or you can just start where you are, and you'll be all right. Just don't let uh, a lapse of a few days because your day came unraveled and all stop you and, and bump you off the rails. Uh, you keep on keeping on. I think people are enjoying reading and everybody reading together and talking it over with each other. It's been good for our church community for that. Uh, and, of course, if, if you're kind of late to get started, you want to get with Brother Jeremy and, and get the app and everything and all that information, you can jump right in there with us. But uh, you keep up the good work. As you read through the Gospels, we read a lot of times through the Gospels that Jesus amazed the people around him. Uh, the King James uses the word astonished 11 different times about people's response to Jesus when he was in town. The word marveled is used about seven times. It's quite interesting. There's about three different Greek words that's translated into these words. They all mean about the same thing, to be amazed, astounded, uh, speechless. Jesus amazed the people. From the very start, it says that they were astonished amazed at his teaching. Now, it's quite something when somebody's teaching, just it just blew them away. It says they were amazed at his teaching because he taught with authority, not as the other teachers in the area, the scribes. That is mentioned several different times. When he healed people, and that would be what you would expect, especially the time when he, when he raised up the daughter of a man that they had told him, don't even come to the house. We think she's already dead. She, she, it's just hopeless. And it says, he raised her up. He healed that person. And people were just amazed. We would understand that. You remember the disciples, their first experience with Jesus, when they pulled that big net of fish in, those seasoned veteran fishermen were amazed at that net full of fish. Now, I'm sure they've caught a lot of fish before, but when Jesus was in the boat, they caught so many they'd never seen anything like it. And can you imagine, it says it also, when he walked on water and calmed the storm. They were amazed, saying, the wind and the waves obey him. Now, that, that's something. So all these things, we can understand how Jesus would amaze the people around him. What would it take to amaze Jesus? What kind of man would amaze Jesus? Astonished that he had marveled this kind of man. Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 1. Would you stand as the scriptures read, please? Now when he concluded all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum, and a certain centurion servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this was deserving, for he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. 
when Jesus, then Jesus went with them. And when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him saying, Lord, do not trouble yourself. I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and he turned about and said to the crowds that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, even in Israel. And those who were sent, returning to the house, found the servant well, who had been sick. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for the story of Jesus. We ask as we look at this passage of scripture, give us a good look at Jesus and give us a good look at ourselves. And we ask if there's something we need to do to make things right with you today, the day would be today that everything's squared away. There are people with needs and people that need comfort and a touch from you. And Father, whatever concerns and troubles we brought with us, we bring them to you and we ask that you would deal with us very honestly concerning the things that cause us worry and concern. And Father, we ask that you would draw us close together through this service today and close to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Here's a man who amazed Jesus. Now, we look at this man, we notice first and foremost, he had very impressive credentials. He was a military man. Not only was he a military man, he was a military man of rank. He was centurion. A centurion was a man who had a hundred men under his command. So we, we realize he was he was very, very powerful individual in the Roman army. And he knew what authority was. He says, I know what authority is. I say to one person, go, and he goes, and the other one come, he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. He said, he, he admitted the fact that he knows what authority is. And here was a man who was very impressive with his rank in the military. That means he was a wealthy man. Do some research and realize centurions were very well paid. They were paid well above what the ordinarily military man would be. And, of course, while this may amaze men, this is not what amazed Jesus. Here was a man who was held in very high esteem. You know, a lot of people may have rank in the military or have a high position in a corporation or something, or they may be a politician with a lot of power, and they may have a lot of money, but here was a man that was held in high esteem among the people in his community because these Jewish elders, when they came to Jesus, they said, this man is worthy that you do something for him. Now, I'm going to admit, there are a lot of times people have money and have authority, and people don't like them. They're not likable people. This man was a likable guy. This was a man that was so likable that even the Jews of the community looked at this Roman soldier, and they came to Jesus and said, he is worthy. Of course, men were amazed at this guy, but that's not what amazed Jesus. What we find here before we see what amazed Jesus, and, and this is a good passage of Scripture to look at, especially in February, when we're always dealing with Valentine's Day and, 
and love and things like that. The Bible has a lot to say about love, and we find compassion and true love in some very unusual places. And this is one of those circumstances where you find an unusual compassion. First of all, compassion on the part of the Jewish leaders. This centurion didn't go to Jesus on his own, but he called Jewish elders to come and speak to Jesus on his behalf. Now, in the book of Matthew, chapter 8, we read this passage of Scripture, and it says, The man said to Jesus, Well, there actually is no discrepancy here because there are a lot of times where people are quoted in the newspaper and so forth, a high-ranking politician, so-and-so said this. Well, they didn't tell the reporter that. One of their representatives did, but it was just as if that guy said it. And that's what is happening here. This man wanted to communicate with Jesus, but for reasons we'll look at later, he did not even feel worthy to go talk to Jesus. So he calls the Jewish elders together. And the Jewish elders together went and talked to Jesus. Not only did they talk to Jesus, they didn't just say, look, Jesus, there's this guy, he just won't leave us alone. He wants you to come see him. Would you go do that and just get him out of our hair? That's not what this says. It says that they begged Jesus. Look in verse 4. The Jewish leaders begged Jesus earnestly that he would come and do this. Now, you might say this, that, well, where's, where's the unexpected love here? You have to do some homework. have to understand as you read through literature, Jewish leaders normally hated and despised non-Jewish people. They despised non-Jewish people. In fact, there's a, a writer in the Jewish uh, community that said, God created Gentiles simply to fuel the fires of hell. Now, there's not a lot of love there, is there? So we realized that was some hatred that was felt and, and some ill will that was felt between the Jewish people and non-Jewish people. And he wasn't just a non-Jewish person. He was a Roman general that had a hundred soldiers in their town. And the Romans were considered the enemy. Wow. But now, here is a group of Jewish people begging Jesus to go and solve the problem of this Roman soldier. They loved him that much. Then we have the love on the part of centurion. The centurion loved the Jewish nation. Did you catch that? It says in verse 5, he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. Not only did he say he loved the Jewish nation, the Jewish people, he put his money where his mouth was, and he built them a synagogue. Well, you have to do a little bit of homework. You read some of the writings of the Roman people, and the Romans despised the Jewish people. And the worst place you could ever be stationed was down there with those Jewish people. Romans just didn't want to be down there. They called them a filthy race. Tacitus, who is a 
one of the leading Roman historians that lived a little bit after this in the same era said the Jews are the vilest of all people. So there was a bad opinion. There was a bad attitude from the Romans toward the Jewish people. So you had Jewish people who were hating the Romans and the Romans who were hating the Jewish people and no doubt there'd been a whole lot of things said and done on the part of each other that just fueled the fire of this hate. And both groups blamed the other for everything going on that was wrong. Sound familiar? Sure it does. We have divisions in our country. We've known about that, haven't we? We realize that. But now watch this. The book of Proverbs, chapter 10, verse 12, says this. Hatred stirs up strifes. Love covers all sins. And the Jewish people, they loved this man. And they were able to go to Jesus on his behalf a Roman centurion, because love had covered up all of the negative things that they had felt toward Romans in general and non-Jewish people. And then we have the other, the Roman centurion, who was steeped in Roman culture with all of its hatred for the Jews, called them together because he loved his servant enough, and he loved their nation. So love covered the sins that were either perceived or actually experienced. You see, because a lot of times, the hatred we have for another group or the dislike that we may have toward another group has nothing to do with a personal experience. We've just been taught it. We've just been taught it. I know a lot of times especially the people in the South, we've got this reputation uh, among other people, the elite culture, the media, and people up North that, man, we just hate black people down here. We, we just can't get along down here. Well, they don't live here. You know what they don't see? They don't see that we're willing to stand shoulder to shoulder and feed hungry people at the food pantry. They, they don't see that we stand shoulder to shoulder. We all pitch in our money and we take care of the backpack ministry, blacks and whites. I have uh, stood shoulder to shoulder and I've been on a literacy council board of directors and me and other white people and black people in the community have worked together. We worked together with the Adoption Coalition years ago and the call and the homeless shelter, go up there and see Miss Ruthie, and we work together. And of course, we, we work together with, with folks to, to help people that have been burned out of houses, black or white. We all pool our money together. You come down here and you realize that we're working together, and our love covers all these negative things, and we're willing to work together, and we're willing to walk across the, the campus of the high school and the elementary school and have a prayer walk, and you work together, and we serve together on the fire departments. All of this happens. They don't see all of that. But let me tell you what we've seen. My brother, uh, in his work, had to deal with some company reps from Connecticut about 20 years ago. 
And, he, and they would come down here, and he had to deal with some company reps from, from the, uh, the company he was working with. And he said they just hated black people. Now, this is Connecticut. This is up north. Uh, you know, anything north of what, Tennessee? That's north of it. It's way up north, all right? It was way up north. He despised them. Couldn't quit talking about them. Every time he was with them, quit talking. He finally said, well, what has happened? Have, how, many, how many black people have ever done you wrong? He didn't know a single black person personally. None of them lived where he lived. He didn't even live around them. He didn't, he didn't even work with them. There, was, there were no black people in his county. He didn't know what it was like to even encounter one of them. Where did he get that hatred? He learned it. He learned it and never, ever knew somebody personally of the race that he despised. Isn't that something? But now, down here where we have the reputation of just not getting along, and we work together. We team up and solve problems together. And love does that. And you see, the love that these people had, they were willing to go across the barriers that between us. Now, you think it's bad between the Democrats and the Republicans and the blacks and the whites, and it was even worse there. There is nothing to compare with the way it was there. But now it gets even better. Unexpected compassion, it gets even better. And that is when you read really close. It says a certain centurion's servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. You remember last week we said there were two words for servant. The first is diakonos, which means what a person does. And it could be somebody who's working for you, an indentured servant. It doesn't necessarily mean a slave. The second word is dolos. Now that means Somebody that's bought and sold property, a slave in every definition that we know it in our country. A slave, bought, sold, sometimes held in bondage. That's who this was. It was a slave, dolos. This man owned it. Now, this was a Roman in full standard. He was saturated with Roman culture and attitudes and values. And the Roman culture defined a slave, dolos, as just a living tool. One Roman writer said it this way, your slave is just like your axe or your plow or your horse or any other piece of equipment except they talk. Slaves were considered disposable. An estate management manual that they've unearthed recommends replacing all worn-out implements every year. That the estate owner should look at his inventory and throw out the plows, throw out the wagons, and throw out the slaves that can no longer do the work. Wow, there's some, there's some bad attitudes. I mean, they were considered nothing. That was the attitude of the Roman culture towards slaves. 
Now we have this man who is Roman through and through, and it says his slave was dear to him. He loved him. He loved him enough to send for Jesus and beg that he would come. It's quite interesting. This word was dear to him means highly regarded. And the term is used when it refers to a distinguished guest at a banquet. Now, a distinguished guest at a banquet is somebody that's always held in high regard. That, that's not how people regarded slaves then. But he, he defied logic, and his love was unexpected. His love toward his slave was totally unconventional, and his love just went across every single boundary that you could think of, and he was dear to him. That's the kind of compassion that we're dealing with in this passage of Scripture, where people, because of their love, were willing to overlook any difference and any cultural boundary, and it all had to do with the fact that they knew Jesus could solve the problem, and they loved each other enough to see to it that Jesus was contacted. Wow. Isn't that a lesson for the church? Isn't that a lesson for all of us? Now, this man showed genuine humility. Jesus is not far from the house, and he began to think about it, and he said, I don't know what I've done. Sound like a pretty good idea to have Jesus to come. He said, but I'm not worthy for him to come to my house. I'm not worthy for him to be here. I, I don't deserve this. Now, we see the same response. You remember back in chapter 5 when Jesus, of course, caused them to pull in that big net full of fish, and Jesus fell down. I mean, Peter fell down on his knees in the boat, and he said, Lord, you got to get away from me. I'm a sinful man. I don't deserve to be even in your presence. Of course, he didn't think it through. He's in a boat. You know, he's right there with him. And, of course, he hadn't seen what Jesus could do walking on water. And he just said, we, we can't even be together here. Uh, well, Peter, I guess we are. But anyway, he knew he didn't deserve to be in the presence of the Lord because of his sinfulness. You remember Jesus' parable about the publican and the Pharisee? And in Luke chapter 18, it says all he could do was look down and beat himself on the chest and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's all he could say. That's, that's all he could say. That's the same response this man had. He recognized his lost condition because he fully recognized who Jesus really is. And when we really recognize who God is, we will recognize who we are. And he said, I, I'm not even worthy for you to come. But he had amazing faith. This is what amazed Jesus. And what he said is this. I'm not worthy that you'd come to my house. But we don't need that, do we? I know what true authority is. And authority is when there is power in what you say. And he said, Jesus, I realize there's power in what you say. I know you can heal my servant. All you have to say is for him to be healed and it'll be done. You see, he trusted in the power of the word of God. He said, your word's enough. All you have to do is say it. And I know what authority is. 
I know it'll be done. Jesus marveled. It, it amazed Jesus. Now, why did it amaze Jesus? This is why it amazed Jesus. He had this kind of faith despite every cultural disadvantage he had. He had grown up in a Roman household where they worship idols and they worship Caesar. He was under the direct command of Caesar who was glorified as a god. He was, of course, steeped in the military culture. He was, a, you know, of course, knew what it was like to have to deal with battle and the Roman culture that despised the Hebrews and the God of the Hebrews. And they saw it as silly as the way they worshipped. All of this, this is the way he grew up. And he could say, well, that's the way I was raised. And he could always blame it on his upbringing, how huh? he wasn't believing in Jesus. And because all of these disadvantages, he still said, I believe you are who you say you are. And I know you can do what you said you could do, and you just say the word. Jesus marveled that despite all the disadvantages he could have blamed on going away from Jesus, this man trusted Jesus Christ. Now, this is not the only time the word is used of something that amazed Jesus. You know what amazed him the other time? He came to his hometown, Mark chapter 6, Mrs. Dick. He came to his hometown, and he preached the word to him, and it says the people were astonished at his teaching. Oh, there's that word again. But they rejected him, and it says Jesus marveled at their unbelief. The only two times it says Jesus was amazed. He was amazed at a man and his faith despite all of his disadvantages, and he was amazed at the unbelief of people who had every single advantage to trust him but didn't. Now, which category do we fall in? We fall into the category of the people that have had every single advantage to trust him. We have the word available to us. We have gospel preaching available to us. We know who Jesus is just simply because of the culture that we live in. We know all of these things. We have churches. We have the freedom to preach. We have the freedom to worship without any hindrances. We have all these advantages. So when it comes to, of course, these two people, we would fall into the category of the people of Jesus' hometown. He was amazed at the faith of the centurion. And he was amazed that they would still reject despite every opportunity that they had. Those are the two things that amazed Jesus. Now, several things we look at, just kind of summarize to give us some takeaways here. First of all, I want to look at the value of a personal witness. In verse 2, it says... A certain centurion's servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus, where would a centurion hear about Jesus? He was wrapped up, and of course his Roman culture, he was wrapped up with his other Roman soldiers. Now he was living in there, but where would he live or he would hear about Jesus? Oh, Luke tells us. Luke tells us in chapter 4, verse 14, if you'll just back up there, a couple of pages from where you are. Luke 
Luke chapter 4, verse 14. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out throughout all the surrounding region, including Capernaum. In verse 37 of the same passage of Scripture. And the report about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. Wow. Chapter 5, verse 14. Jesus had healed a leper, and he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. However, the report went around concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of all their infirmities. How did he hear about Jesus? He heard about Jesus because people were talking about him. That's how he heard about Jesus. Now, what are we talking about? What do we talk about when we're at work, when we're at school, when we're at the ball games? Are we willing to talk about Jesus? Are we willing to keep our conversations to where it points people to the right place for their answers? Are we talking about other things? value of a personal witness. Secondly, it gives us a simple picture of the basic responsibility of every believer. Now, not only is this a basic responsibility, but, oh, man, it's, it's, it's a privilege. And don't miss this. See, we, we see this on behalf of all people, the Jewish leaders. And the Jewish leaders show us what our basic responsibility is. It's, n- it's not complicated to realize what our responsibility is as a church and as believers of Christ. And it's this. Listen close. To go to Jesus on behalf of others and to take Jesus to those who need him. And that's exactly what they did. They went with Jesus and they begged him, said, this man needs you. And then he went with them to the man's house. You see, they're saying, well, We'll take Jesus to that individual. Wow, what a picture. To go to Jesus and talk to Jesus on behalf of people who need him. And then, in a multitude of different ways, let's take Jesus to the people who need him. It's nothing complicated, is it? Very, very simple. And... Don't miss this. Of course, spotlight's always on Jesus, even though we looked at the centurion and the Jewish elders. The reminder of Christ's love for all kinds of people. You see, Jesus could have had a could have had a bad taste in his mouth toward the Jewish leaders because, of course, they were the Jewish leaders. A lot of times they were the ones that opposed him. But they came to him, and he could have just thought, I've I don't know why I'm talking to y'all. Y'all hate me anyway. You want me to run me out of town ever I come to town? No, we're not going to do this. But notice, he loved them, and he was willing to listen to them on behalf of the needs of another guy. So he loved the Jewish leaders. He loved the Roman centurion. As far away from, from two different groups of people, as far apart as you could get them, here were these people. 
the Jewish leaders over there, the Roman centurion over there. Most of the time they hated each other. Jesus didn't pick sides. He loved all of them, every one of them. He loved the Roman centurion. And then he loved the slave. Now, the Jewish elders had a lot going for them. They had tradition. They had a spiritual heritage. They, of course, had upstanding in the community. They had resources. The Roman centurion, a very wealthy man, a very powerful man. And then there's the slave, had nothing. And it says the slave was sick and ready to die. Matthew says he was paralyzed and tormented in pain. And here was a man who had nothing to offer to Jesus. Nothing. And Jesus loved him. And Jesus healed him. And you see, that's, that's the love of Jesus. Every single one of these people were so different. They weren't like each other, and sometimes they didn't like each other. But he loved every one of these, and he loves you. You are not so different that Jesus can't love you. And you are not so lowly that Jesus can't love you. Jesus loves you too. And he wants to be a part of your life. We prepare for an invitation of him. Here's a man who believed in Jesus, what Jesus could do. He knew what Jesus was. He knew what he was. But he knew that Jesus, Jesus would respond to his need. He had that kind of faith. He believed Jesus would do what he said he would do. Do you believe that? Enough to ask him to save your soul. Enough to ask him to direct your steps. Enough to go to him on behalf of somebody that you're thinking about right now that needs him. Jesus, I know you can touch this life. So I'm coming to you to say the word. You don't even have to be there. Just say the word and you can touch their life. Wow. Whatever God is asking you to do and what changes you not need to make as you respond to this passage of scripture as we sing what number? Number 295. Would you stand please?